You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Isaiah, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, we'll begin at verse 1. Isaiah chapter 9, we'll begin at verse 1, where Isaiah writes, But there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. I love the season of Christmas. One of the reasons I love the season of Christmas is the Christmas music. And we have the Christmas musical this afternoon, one of them. We have several times that we will be singing those Christmas songs. I love the songs like White Christmas as well. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, silver bells, even Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's something about the songs of Christmas. They just bring joy to our hearts. And then there are Christmas carols, those hymns of faith, those songs of the faith that remind us what Christmas is really all about. I love, for example, Away in a Manger when we picture in our minds the, the nativity scene with Mary and Joseph, and there's the baby Jesus lying in the manger. Or Silent Night. Oh, it touches my heart every year at Christmas Eve when we hold up the candles and we sing Silent Night. Holy night. I love joining together as the church as the music begins to blare and we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. 
Christmas music. There's something about it. And then, of course, Handel's Messiah. Now, that's a, that's a piece that is appropriate at Christmas and at Easter as it walks through the amazing story of Christ. But wow, there's a part of Handel's Messiah that comes from this scripture in Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh, I love when the choir just takes off singing that song. Now, what's the context, though, to that Scripture? It's a powerful passage of Scripture. It's a powerful piece in the Messiah. But what was happening there? When you look at the history of the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, you'll notice that they had gone through a difficult time having been enslaved in Egypt. And then God heard their cries. Their taskmasters had become so brutal to them, and, and the pain and the suffering that they were experiencing was absolutely incredible. And, and God sent Moses. Remember the story of the calling of Moses, how God then had Moses to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness. Incredible miracles. And then it was time to enter the promised land. And God calls Joshua to take the children of Israel the rest of the way into the promised land. But there was a warning, be careful. Be careful when you enter in this land that's flowing with milk and honey. You build your fine homes. You have the cattle and all is prosperous. Be careful that you do not forget about the Lord your God. Be careful because there, there are people with other gods all around. It'll be so easy to be tempted into idolatry. Be careful that you don't do that. You are the people of God. But they did. They slipped. They, over time, began to forget about their God. They allowed idolatry to come in. Rather than trusting in God as God had delivered them so many times through the past, they started making alliances with the other nations. Their kings, some of them did good in the eyes of God, many of them did evil. Evil, good, evil, 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 good. And it just set out a pattern. And pretty soon, God allows them to experience their consequences. You forgot me. You trust in others, uh, other countries, other kings more than you do me. You can experience the consequences of your decisions. And so they began to struggle. And the Assyrians came in and conquered the northern part of Israel. And many of the people were dispersed throughout the land. It was challenging. You heard in the scripture, Zebulun and Naphtali. These were regions up in the Galilee area that became provinces now of Assyria. They were a conquered people. And now all of a sudden, they're annexed into Assyria. As I read the scripture and was studying it, thinking about it, I was I was thinking about what's happening in the Ukraine right now and what it's like when there's another, another country, another dictator that wants to come in and, and take over you and, and control you. And all of a sudden you find yourself now being held captive by someone else. And they were struggling. It was a difficult time. They were so oppressed. And, and was there any hope? Was there 
anything. But God reveals to them with the Scripture that they're experiencing consequences, but not annihilation. They are still His people. He still loves them. He has not forgotten His part of the covenant, even though they may have forgotten their part. And God gives them a glimpse of hope. Now, it's debated among biblical scholars, was this scripture written while they were still in exile? Was it written after they were in exile? Either way, you get this beautiful word, but. There are so many places in the scripture I've shared with you before that I love when things look so dreary and then you hear the word, but. But God, God is able to do something even in the midst of it, and God is not finished. And one of the things that I find so interesting here is if this is written during the time of the exile, it's written with past tense because there is such faith that if God said it, it is as good as done. If God has said it, if this is a promise of God, you can put it in past tense because it is as good as as accomplished. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Walking in darkness, living in deep darkness, those are to be images that it that evoke a sense of despair for us. Darkness was, was a sign of depression. It was a sign of, it was a sign of death. It was, it was a horrible time in the lives of the people. When you walk in darkness, when you live in deep darkness, then, then there appears not to be any hope at all, but then God shines in that darkness. Just like God has done throughout the scripture, Genesis and in John, that when there's darkness, God breaks forth light. And light, that's a sign of life and a sign of joy, a sign of growth, a sign that that there is peace and, and, and that God is doing something victorious. As a matter of fact, if you read the scripture, all of a sudden it's going to make a turn and become a hymn of thanksgiving. Notice that all of a sudden the scripture starts talking about you because now the people of God are praising God for it. We were in darkness. We were living in deep darkness. You shine light on us. You. Look at verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you. As with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. Ah, from from that beginning point of, it seemed that there was despair, that Zebulun and Naphtali had been set aside walking in darkness, living in darkness. Now light has come, life has come, joy has come. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They sing songs of praise and then go on to tell us why. Remember, they've been held in exile. They have been oppressed. And God has not only delivered them, but has defeated the enemy And look what happens to 
the instruments of war. They're now being burned and destroyed. Verse 4, for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their ancestors, the rod that, that would be used to have, have beaten them, the rod of their oppressors, the rod that, that would have been used to, to strike the people and make them, you have broken Catch that, that burden, that bar that causes them to pull the load, the yoke, the rod that be used to, to beat the people, to make them work and to serve their, their oppressor. God has now broken those. But not only that, keep going in verse 5. For all the boots of the trampling warriors... And all the garments rolled in blood, the blood of, of our people, the blood of the Hebrew people, the, the blood of those who are part of our lives, our faith, our community, you have burned those boots and those garments as fuel for the fire. You have conquered the enemy. You have brought an end to this war. Well, you could almost stop there, but then you hit that climax where all of a sudden you get this promise of God offering a new king, the crowned prince, the king of kings will now be coming. God is taking this people of Israel, the Hebrew people who have been oppressed and conquered and providing them a new king. These words that we sing so often, we've heard so often, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. Now imagine hearing that from a people who've been oppressed. There will be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and hold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. And then you get that exclamation point. Why? This is God's passion. Verse 7, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's zeal, God's passion for his people, God's zeal, God's passion for his covenant, God's zeal, God's passion for his faithfulness, that will make it happen. God's promise and the people's faith allowed for this celebration, even though it may not have been finally complete, because God has said it, it is as good as done. Now, when we read the Old Testament, we have to read it kind of twice. We read it once hearing how did the people then hear it because these are the Hebrew people hearing this. And so how did they hear it during their time, not knowing the rest of the story as we do? But then we hear it the second time. We look at it again 
from the eyes of our faith as Christians, having seen what God has done. There's that saying that hindsight is 2020. And so we now are able to look back, having experienced the joy of Christmas, the giving of the Christ child. We look back and, and we can't help but hear Jesus Christ throughout this entire scripture. When we hear that this child is born, that this king is born, we know the rest of the story. We know he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. The wonderful counselor, we're told. That counselor means that he is shrewd. He is wise. He is discerning. He can guide us. He can woo us. He can lead us. He's the everlasting Father, everlasting. This is not temporal. We've had good kings and things would go well, but then things would fall apart because there would be an evil king and another evil king, but then there would be hope with a good king. No longer the everlasting Father, not temporal, but one who lasts forever. The mighty God. Oh, not, not some little God that's made with hands, but, but this is the mighty, all-powerful God who is able to accomplish all that God seeks to do. And the Prince of Peace. Peace. When a people have been in exile, peace is a cherished gift. Now, Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar. He retired from Columbia Theological Seminary, where I went to school as part of my doctoral work. And Dr. Brueggemann says that what makes this is when these attributes are added together, it's their cumulative effect that helps us to see who this really is. When we, when we put it all together, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the mighty God, the prince of peace, this is all one. We get a glimpse of God's amazing kingdom. Well, it's Advent. It's a time for us to prepare to receive this Christ child once again. It, this, this mighty God that, that God has intervened even in the midst of darkness. Because you see, this is a message not only for the Hebrew people dealing with Assyria, but this is a message for you and for me, for us. And there are many of us that, that feel like our lives have been in darkness, that we've been walking in darkness. As a matter of fact, there are many who feel like it has been deep darkness. But hear the good news. We celebrate with the advent, with the coming of the Christ child, and with Christ in our lives today, with the Prince of Peace, this Lord of Lords and King of Kings who's part of our lives today, we have light shining in the darkness. Life, joy, hope, hope. Now many have struggled, some due to the evil of others, some due to the consequences of their own sins, our own sins. Some of us have just gone through life and it has seemed dark. Hear the good news. This promise in Isaiah, this celebration here, 
is a promise and a celebration for you and for me. And since God has promised it, it is as good as done. And then we know the rest of the story. We know of the baby in the manger. We know of of the God who so loved us that he would sacrifice his life for us, that he would die on a cross, rise again, and return to be part of our lives. However darkness may have occurred in our lives, the sin and brokenness and consequences of our lives, darkness is not eternal. God, the everlasting God, breathes light and life. God acts. And we get to celebrate this child in the manger once again. This child who is the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. We know the rest of the story and we celebrate that God's promise and our faith allows for us to celebrate the gift of the Christ child, the gift of Christmas. It's as good as done. And how do we know this? Because the zeal of the Lord has done this. God's passion and love for you is so powerful that God has made it so. So if your life, if you have been experiencing a sense of darkness and pain, or you know others who are, we look at our world and we see darkness all around us in so many ways, hear the good news. It's Advent, and once again, we prepare to receive the gift of the Christ child, light in darkness, salvation in the midst of sin, life everlasting in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.